1: Tommy, have you noticed that there are a lot of Teslas out there that are like wrapped or that have funky wheels on them? You know why that is? Why is that? Because I think Tesla does not do enough to differentiate their models. I think people are getting bored of Teslas, right? There's like four or five colors and two interiors and three wheels. That's it.
2: I'm not sure you spend enough time on Twitter, Dad, because I think people are more passionate about their Teslas than any other brand currently available. So how dare we come out with a video that is titled what? This is called the top five electric cars that are better than a Tesla. I'm not sure that is a, a possible thing to say on the internet in 2021. Look, maybe,
1: all right, I'll give you this, Tommy. I think Tesla's electronics, right? Their, their operating system is one generation ahead of everybody else. But that doesn't mean their cars are a generation ahead. In fact, I would say their car build quality is one generation behind, if not more, everybody else. So we're not talking about the infotainment. We're not talking about the way that you interact with the Tesla, which I believe is the best in the business. When you buy a Tesla, you basically name the car, you jump on the app, uh, and it all works, right? Your phone is your key. You control the car with your app you go supercharge it and it talks directly to the supercharger it's all seamless everything works i'm not talking about that i'm talking about cars that are more fun to drive so you know this is this is a car that speaks to your heart not your head
2: that's an interesting take now i think we're going to get quite a lot of criticism for this but we're also going to pay attention to value for money so we're going to discuss some used options that are incredibly good value for what you get and we'll talk about you really need all that range to fit your lifestyle so we're gonna have a really fun discussion and talk about the top five EVs that should be on your shortlist that might fit your lifestyle better than a Tesla of any kind
1: now there's two points I want to make before we jump into this list okay first I have been lucky enough to drive every I think electric car on the market uh, because it is my job so I am NOT doing this from reading stories or from you know, digging down deep in the internet. I've actually been behind the wheel of all of these cars. or I've had hands-on all these cars. We've owned these cars. So either owners, drivers, or one of these cars has not been driven by us because you can't drive in America. But nevertheless, I've stood next to it. I've sat in actually both of them. So it is coming from a point of experience, not from a point of fandom. Okay. Uh, And the other thing is, dude, I was just in Palo Alto, right? Every other car is a white Tesla Model 3. I'm sorry, but I think a lot of Tesla owners are just sick of seeing themselves driving down the road in places like Boulder and Palo Alto and even LA because there's just like the same Tesla everywhere. You know, there is literally, what, six colors, two interiors, and two different wheels you can get on a Tesla. And I think that's why either Tesla needs to start differentiating their models within the model lineup. So I'm not talking about X, Y, uh, and 3. I'm talking about like, you know, a performance Model Y basically is an underline with a spoiler and red brake calipers. And, you know, their current customers are coming from a world of special editions, of, you know, cars with AMG and M badges that scream power. Uh, and yet with Tesla, it's all a little too much, like, you know, too, too like, stealthy speed. You know what I'm saying? I, I, get, I get the love of that. But at the same time, if I've spent... $128,000 for a Tesla Model S Plaid. I want to say more than just you know a weird steering wheel, a yoke that lets people know that I've got the top dog Tesla.
2: So let's jump right into the list. What's the number five Tesla alternative? All right, that- I've got
1: my list right here. The number five we actually just drove from California all the way to Boulder. It's of course the Porsche Taycan. Uh, and it is a phenomenal driver's car it's 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 a porsche of electric cars if that means anything
2: that's absolutely right now you pay for it of course so when we tested was well over a hundred thousand dollars but it is a four-door super sedan that comes in many many different trims you can also get it in a station wagon and starts you know 80 90k goes all the way up well into, like, the high 100s. I think it'll even go above 200, right, if you get a Turbo S?
1: You can get up to that speed. Yeah, the one I would, the sweet spot for me is the the Gran Turismo, the station wagon that's a little lifted and basically is about a $99,000 car. That's the one that I would get. Uh, You know, the difference between a 4S and a Turbo and a Turbo S uh, is all, I think, you know, mainly software-based, so all three of those drive very similarly. Uh, But, of course, you're uncorking more power as you get into the Turbo and the Turbo S. Uh, Not as much, of course, as a a model as Plaid, right? That is now the current king of the electric car, 0 to 60 world and quarter-mile world. It is the fastest production car, I think, outside of the... Uh, Rivets? I know people say Rivac Navara, uh, but outside of that, it's the quickest car.
2: Yeah, Uh, that that Rivac is pretty insane. But I want to talk about the Taycan because the one you like, the Cross Turismo, is very unusual in the EV world because it's a station wagon, which doesn't really exist in the world of electric cars. And it's a brilliant-looking car. The Taycan is probably the best car I've ever driven, new car I've ever driven from a dynamic standpoint. The range is not nearly as good as the competition from uh, the American company Tesla, but we know, realistically we were targeting like 250 miles of range on the 4S model that we tested, which I think is good enough for most people on a regular basis. Yeah, in, in typical German
1: fashion, the Germans sandbagged the range, and let's face it, Tesla overstates the range. Uh, we've had a Model Y for a year and we were supposed to get close to 291 miles on a charge. We never got close to that. More realistically, it was like 250, 260. And the Taycan was the exact opposite. I want to say it was like 224, right, official EPA numbers. And the other problem, Tommy, is the EPA numbers are kind of wishy-washy right now. Their whole test cycle uh, is based on, uh, you know, ICE cars for all you electric car folk out there. And it doesn't work really well with electric cars.
2: So range aside, what would you tell the folks that say this has no ability to compete with a Tesla because you can't use the Tesla supercharger network, which is the best in the world? I'd say wait a month or two, <laughs> which apparently it's going to open up to non-Tesla users.
1: Uh, and even if, people said, well, it's going to happen in Europe first because Europe has a different plug, right? They have a CCS plug. So you can actually make it do it do it much easier than here because here's Tesla's plug. is proprietary. Pri- 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 I can't say the word. Proprietary. Proprietary. Thank you, Tommy. I'm... Appreciate you helping me out of my old age, Uh, but yeah, I I think that look. If you want the uh, Teslas, I also think from a suspension tuning point of view, are probably also a generation behind most automakers. Right? Uh, The Model uh, Y performance that we had was zero to sixty in three point five seconds in a straight line, but around a corner, uh, it just it just you know it was it was that old kind of suspension tuning that a lot of manufacturers have gotten past. Where if you want to make it Fast, you got to make it firm, right? So it's like it's like it beats you up just because it's been lowered a little bit and it's stiff, so that it goes around a corner well. But with modern cars, especially with you know electronic, uh, with the electronics the way they are, with suspension that can be electronically tuned, you can have both. You can have your cake and you can eat it too. So you can have a soft and comfy ride. And then you could put it in a twisty road and dial it down to Sport or Sport Plus or Super Secret Sport Plus Plus, whatever the manufacturer decides, and actually have it perform really well around a corner. Uh, Tesla hasn't found that soft spot. And I know you're saying, well, like some of the Tesla cars like the X and the Model S have air suspension. Uh, Same problem, Tommy. It it works really well in a straight line, not so much uh, around a circle or around a track. The other thing about Teslas is they're heavy, dude. And they wear their weight low, but they're heavy.
2: Not that the Taycan is a lightweight. It's also heavy. Let's be honest about that. But I like the Taycan specifically. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I like the Tycon specifically because of its build quality and its fit and finish. That was one of the best assembled vehicles I've ever been in. Just everything you touch and squeeze and grab and push and pull feels like it is made out of granite. It is super satisfying to use. The tech is a little bit more cumbersome than something like a Model S. But the overall experience, the customizability, the uh, availability of trims, and the uh, ability to kind of make it your own to exactly their taste does put it a step ahead of the Model S in my mind.
1: Yeah, the other thing I want to say, Tommy, is, you know, for all you guys and gals out there who, like don't believe in electric cars, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but if you are and you, you think to yourself, you know, there's just too many compromises. I grew up with a supercharger or turbochargers and I grew up working on my car and it's a big old American V8 is, you know, with push rods is what, you know, is I want. Um, there is this kind of, I want to say almost chill tranquility that's very different. It's a very different vibe in an electric car, Right. You feel like the outside world is outside and your you're own little cocoon. Uh, and when I get behind the wheel of an electric car, I just feel this like, you know, uh, Serenity Now from that old Seinfeld episode. I kind of feel like that just washes over me. And I don't know if it's because there isn't an engine thumping away under the hood or if it's because the car, you know, makes very little noise and so all you end up hearing is like tire noise or wind noise, right? And you don't hear the exhaust note. But it is a very different driving experience. And in a, in a hectic and stressful world, it's much less stressful. Does that, does, do you feel the same way? Did you feel that when we drove the Taycan across the country? Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I made it immer- okay. Okay, we, we had range anxiety. So yeah, is that why you're laughing?
2: No, I, I actually I feel quite the opposite. I don't have any range anxiety whatsoever okay. in, in, in the port. I mean, the deal with range is I think it's the most overrated thing when shopping for electric cars. People buy range in electric cars for the road trip that they never take. I mean, everyone I talked to is like, oh, it only goes 200 miles on a single charge. And my response is, if you have a place to charge it up at home, when is the last time you realistically commute 200 miles on a daily basis? If you need to go further, you will use the... CCS or the fast charging network out there and it will take longer than a gasoline car but realistically I mean most folks are not taking weekend road trips most folks are not driving across country regularly I personally am under the uh, the belief that 80 miles is plenty of range for most folks let alone 200 um, and I've lived with cars with you know 50 60 miles of range and, and it's just been fine like you forget about it if you have a place to plug at home um, you know when when you when you go to sleep so that is not really an issue. The Serenity thing, I don't know. I think that it's just as exciting. Um, I, I think that there's, like, been this big divide now where people think that you need to have pistons to have fun, right? Like yeah. hypercars and sports cars, they need to have pistons and they need to make noise and burble. And, yeah, that's fine. I get it. To be honest with you, the new, and this is just because Oh, I'm all, you're always honest. Yeah. Well, I'm just 100 years old. I don't think that any of the brand new uh, production gasoline or diesel vehicles are really all that exciting i mean i'm just i love the old stuff you know if you want an exciting and you want pops and burbles get something from the 60s or the 70s uh but brand yeah, new I mean, uh, just get the best technology you can
1: I, it, I, I, i'm with you i mean you, you take your run of the mill crossover which everybody drives right be that a Rav, for a crv you know a, a tucson it's not the most exciting
2: thing but even out there. even an enthusiast car like a miata Right. Uh-huh. I just don't think that the engine in the Miata is really all that enticing. I think it's fine, but it's not incredible. Um, you know, a lot of Mustangs, right? Like a Whoa, now you're force, now you're now you're in the Well a four cylinder turbo Mustang, not that great. A V eight five liter does sound pretty good. Yes. But would that be any worse if it was electric? Uh Mackie? Uh, no, that is not a Mustang. All I'm right. Sorry. Well,
1: let's transition from that conversation before uh, we have all you muscle car fans <laughs> with pitch for- pitchforks and and knives coming out to you know to get us. Uh, but let's talk about actually the Mach-E and the uh, Volkswagen ID. Four. Now we did not include these on our list, and there's a reason for that, right? So to me, uh, a Tesla is a better car than both of those. Uh, Volkswagen. Seems like kind of Volkswagen's version of a Tesla, and the Mach-E kind of seems like Ford's version of a Tesla. I, I felt like they didn't they didn't like go above the benchmark that Tesla set. They kind of met that te- met that benchmark, if you know what I mean.
2: Well, if 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 you want to be a little bit more frank about it, I was really bummed out when I had the ID. Four because I was super stoked to drive it. But I think from a packaging standpoint, it isn't all that impressive. From a value standpoint, it isn't all that impressive. From a drivability standpoint, it isn't all that fun or impressive. I just, I was really felt like, oh. I mean, you got to give it to Tesla. If you set
1: aside the fact that they're expensive and getting more expensive, right, uh, the fact is that electric cars do have instant torque, and that is one of the more engaging, fun, thrilling things you can do in electric cars to floor it. And neither, at least the current Mach E or the ID4 are very quick. Well, uh, there's a GT coming, right? But that's not out yet.
2: So I think that actually, from a straight line performance standpoint, I thought just a Mach E long range all drive is plenty fast. But it just feels kind of numb and not very full of soul specifically those two cars I actually think some of the compliance cars are a lot more fun and soulful to drive than uh even a 94 or Mach-E now the Mach-E is more fun than the 94 I would definitely get the Ford over the Volkswagen if I had the choice between the two but like you said Dad, I would get any Tesla over either of them because well, it feels like they are trying to be too Tesla-like they don't have their own personalities yeah so I think
1: I think that electric car you can look at it two ways it's like right brain over left brain like like passion over um over logic right uh, and to me, uh, there's not a lot of passion in the Volkswagen. Uh, I'm not saying it's an appliance, but, you know, I was talking about Serenity now, but that could also become kind of like like you're driving uh, the pod car from the Woody Allen movie, <laughs> right? Where there is not a lot of, like, joy or fun. And Volkswagen did, to be fair, try to invest it with some whimsy, right? Like the play uh, icon on the accelerator pedal oh, and, the, and the pause icon on the brake but that's not what makes a car that's, whimsical or fun that's
2: great in a brochure but you're never like oh i wonder if this thing has a pause button on the pedal but, but I'm, I'm saying they,
1: they, you know tesla's smart to know that they've got all this torque or maybe maybe it's not just you know maybe we're painting with too broad of a brush i was listening to a bunch of podcasts uh, and the fact is that like tesla does do a really good job with their powertrain right they're not buying Bosch motors they're building their own motors, uh, and so maybe a Tesla Motor does inherently have more power and more torque than you know something that a manufacturer uh, pu- buys and then assembles right but and we've we've just, seen, we've just seen that with Ford with the, with the top right Ford did not build their own hard top for the Bronco. they use Wabasto to be fair, Wabasto builds ninety nine point nine percent of all soft tops across the world uh, but you know, you have to give Tesla props for, you know, building their own motor and not going to, uh, you know, a, a, a motor manufacturer and outsourcing that.
2: I think, though, you're not... I and think, batteries,
1: too. To well, no, batteries are algae and panasonic. It depends.
2: We're but on two very different pages. Well, so your issue with, like, the four is it's too slow. That's not my issue with it. I, I just don't think it's very engaging to drive no, or... No, it's not
1: too slow. It's not quick enough. It It doesn't.
2: doesn't. It doesn't, well, that, okay, it not, doesn't
1: leverage the the torque of an electric car. But the
2: Mach-E does do a good job of that. I haven't
1: driven the GT. I wasn't blown away by the long range. I thought it was fine. But coming out of a Tesla, which will do, even the slow ones, right, the long range ones do under four seconds for the most part.
2: I think if you compare long range Model Y to long range Mach-E, 0 to 60 times are pretty much identical. They're very, very similar. And if you compare like the base, base, base Model 3 to those, Mm -hmm. they're much quicker. The the 0 to 60 thing is plenty quick. Uh, That's not never been my issue. I just feel like the the ID4, especially, is just a really numb kind of thing to drive. The Mach-E is a little bit better, but I do feel like they are trying to be interpretations of a Model 3 or a Model Y versus their own kind of unique vehicle, and that is my issue with them.
1: Yeah, and Ford d- took a big step with the e in its infotainment with its Sync system. It's much better. It's much more well, dare I say, a Tesla-like, Tommy. Right? It's much more intuitive, almost like you know, the, the the magic sauce in an iPhone, uh, whereas the Volkswagen system is the exact opposite. It's, it's very uh, fussy and finicky and confusing. Uh, and so that's why at the beginning of this conversation, I said that Tesla's at least one generation ahead of all the manufacturers when it comes to infotainment.
2: Maybe you'll like the GTX more, the all-wheel drive. Yeah, I can't wait.
1: I'm not going. I think um, one of our team is going pretty soon, but I'm looking forward to that. I think leveraging the all-wheel drive, and I know it's a weird thing. We live in Colorado where you can't go, you know, year without all-wheel drive so it'll be nice to have an all-wheel drive car but even even in places like florida where it rains i just love the sure-footedness of having an all-wheel drive vehicle
2: well let's move on from the id4 and the Mach-E and discuss number four which are vehicles we are very excited about i believe but Not ones we've necessarily driven. Yeah, so that's the
1: Ionic 5 uh, and the EV6. So one's the Hyundai and one's the Kia. Uh, And they built a a brand new platform for both of these vehicles. Uh, And the platform is going to serve from everything from a crossover to like a family hauler, right? To a three-wheel vehicle, to maybe even a sports car at some point. But it's a kind of a cool platform because first of all, it's almost wider than it is longer. So it's more of a square. It's it's longer than actually the wheelbase, not the vehicle, but the wheelbase is longer than the Range Rover on the on both of those cars. Uh, and and you know, the cool thing about electric vehicles, it, it gives manufacturers a chance to rethink what a car should be right it's like it's like turning the page like you can have a brand new chapter and you could say to yourself let's rethink everything about a car not just do another version with a bigger engine or more wheelbase or a bigger trunk or whatever it is that we've been doing for the last hundred years right let's actually rethink how people are using cars and let's rethink how people um, approach cars how they interact with cars what their needs are. And I think uh, uh, both Hyundai and Kia, who are just on a roll right now, did that with both those cars. Uh, and so, like, for instance, there's just tons and tons of room. They did something that that that, that I think Ford did in the, in the Lightning, but Tesla should have been doing from the start, is you can actually use them as a power source for your electric appliances. So there's a little widget you can stick into the power port, and then you get two 110 uh, outlets. Mm. So you can do things like, you know, uh, I don't know, go camping and power whatever you want to power off that vehicle. Uh, also like the, the, the infotainment and the design of the vehicle is very unique uh, and very interesting. So in the EV, I don't, I don't know if the EV6 is it, but the Ionic 5 does it where the center council like in a Suburban actually moves backward and forward so you can move it in and out of the way. Um, that's pretty darn cool. Uh, and then, um, like in the Ionic 5, on the left side of the vehicle, there's a little magnetic pad that you can, like, put sticky notes on. I'm not sure why you need that. But once again, <laughs> it's rethinking how you use your vehicle. Uh, just a whole bunch of, like, really cool, innovative little tricks like that. Uh, And, and, you know, changing the proportions of the vehicle around and then, of course, coming out with what they're saying is going to be, you know, an affordable vehicle with at least 300 miles of range that's going to, you know, bring the competition right to the Model Y.
2: The reason I'm excited about these two is uh, not from like a charging standpoint, which is supposed to be incredible, not from a range standpoint. But I think that they're really pushing the limits, like you said, on kind of design and the way that you, you can kind of sculpt and um, form. A brand new car that's electric. I especially like the Ionic Five with its retro design vibes. I just think it looks fantastic, and the production one looks to be just as cool as the concept, which is just woohoo!
1: Yeah, like they're having fun with it, and they've started deliveries in Europe already. So in Europe, you can actually in Norway, where it's very popular, you can actually go and get yourself one. Uh, and we're going to be looking at deliveries sometime in October here, so they're not far away from actually having them. At least the Ionic Five will come out first, having them this year, having them here in America.
2: Yeah, they just nailed the design on both of them. Those two. Companies Companies are just killing it across everything they do, be it the Santa Cruz, the little pickup truck, the uh, hybrids that they offer, the value that they offer. The Kona N. The Kona N, the Palisade, the Telluride, and now, of course, the new Ionic brand. and Blaster N. Moving into the Kia's EV6. I think once they get a fantastic design that's supposed to be quick. So they really. Are taking this electrification thing yeah, I mean, seriously? They're like having
1: fun with it, right? So, like the Ionic Five is like this retro kind of, you know, the the, the dot matrix is a the theme for that thing. So it's got all these cool little angles and dots everywhere, right? And then uh, Kia said, "You know what? You guys got the retro thing going on, so we're going to do the sporty thing, right?" So they made their car kind of swoopy and low, and it's got this really cool LED light that's integrated into the spoiler, right? So you can backlight the spoiler, just you know, just like you can see, like they're like once again, they're using this opportunity to rethink what a car should be. Versus just, okay, now instead of, you know, 450 horsepower, you got 475.
2: Right. Yeah. So should we go to number three?
1: Yeah, let's go to number three, uh, because this is a really interesting one, Tommy. Uh, and it's one that is actually out there and you can buy
2: and that we've owned. So this is a weird one. And it's probably one that you're not going to initially agree with, but we'll try to sway you into our direction. Specifically because the value they offer on the used market market. And we are of course mentioning the BMW i3, which kind of did what Kia and Hyundai did with the incredibly unique design on the inside and the outside, but did it all the way back in 2013 and 2014. So the i3 was an all-electric car or a range-extended car. I think still is the only mass-produced range-extended car ever to exist. and. Uh, it was not a massive success trait out no, of the bat. People bath. thought it was ugly. Well, they, it was th- expensive. It th- was too expensive. Yeah, I mean, even now, 50K for one. Don't buy a new one. So the deal with the i3 is that it was a marvel in terms of construction, design, ergonomics. It was just probably too far ahead of what consumers wanted. So you have
1: this kind of carbon fiber monocoque. Monocoque The whole thing is like this
2: reinforced carbon
1: plastic. And these very thin wheels to have low rolling resistance. It's really open and airy cabin. uh, Use of all kinds of different materials, right? Synthetic materials.
2: Phenomenal, yeah. For example, like you step in and there's no B-pillar. You had these weird doors that kind of hinged the wrong way, which people didn't like. But the seats, not shared with any BMW. The steering wheel had this crazy two spoke design with this floating instrument cluster and this floating little digital screen in the middle and it was just like something out of the Jetsons but it was expensive and didn't go far enough on a charge and i think that's why people kind of discounted it as being a little bit of a science experiment
1: yeah but i think the people who bought them and who drive them fell in love with them for what they were it was one of those cars that it's one of those cars that grows on you over time right uh, and the range extender is kind of a weird but cool science experiment where you have a little kimco and that's another weird thing why didn't they use like a bmw motorrad motorcycle engine instead of use a korean Uh, motorcycle engine, 600 cc, to give you more range in case you run out of gasoline. Uh, But it's also brilliant because you can run that thing as an EV all day long. There's no opportunity to run it as a hybrid, so don't be confused. The engine only, only kicks on when you run out of electricity when you're to zero. So it's not like a hybrid where the two work in conjunction.
2: Well, it's supposed to literally be a range extender. So the idea is you run it on electricity, and if you happen to run out, it's just enough of a backup generator to get you to the next uh, charging point. But um, very affordable nowadays, and that is why I think it is in a lot of ways better than a Tesla, because Teslas are phenomenal vehicles, but they still cater to a... uh, an income bracket and a um, wealth class that is above most folks. Yeah. So even used Teslas are expensive. So, so,
1: so I might be talking out of turn here, but I think I got this right. So, the reason like our adoption is two point five percent. That's all electric vehicles, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and EVs. Uh, and Norway's is like 60% is because Norway also gives you a tax credit, but they don't give you a tax credit; they give you a point-of-sale credit. So the way it works here in America, of course, is when you buy a well, Tesla's gone through all this, but let's say you buy one that still has it, uh, which would be, for instance, a give me one that still has like a Mini.
2: Yeah, Cooper SE. are
1: right. You buy it. any yeah, a any yeah any Maki that still has 94. their tax. They haven't burned through the tax credit. If you qualify for that tax credit, the government gives you back the seven and a half thousand. the federal government, uh, that is a tax credit. But why not just put that money on the hood? Why do you have to have – why do you have to qualify? So the second you have to qualify, what you're doing is you're opening it up only to wealthy folk.
2: Well, yeah, so like for me, if I wanted to go buy an ID4 right now, I would have to pay – the initial price of whatever it is, forty-five k, which I c- can't afford, and then um, I wouldn't get seventy-five hundred dollars back on my taxes because my tax liability isn't seventy-five hundred; it's just a couple of thousand dollars. So I wouldn't really see much of an advantage. So you're right that it absolutely is set up to cater to more wealthy individuals. Um, and on the used market, you can't get that credit, yeah, you know, whatsoever. Yeah,
1: so, so you go buy, a, let's say, you go buy a Volkswagen ID four, right? And let's say it costs thirty-five thousand dollars, which it will. Wouldn't it be much smarter that, that, that we walk into the dealership and here in Colorado we get three and a half back as well from the state tax credit. So instead of being $35,000, that car literally costs you, you write them a check for 25000 That's fair, right? Everybody gets that. Yeah, that would
2: be a cool system. Yeah,
1: that would be a cool system. And if you're into like, you know, the fact that, that that electric cars are not just better for the environment, but also you know cheaper to own over the long run because you don't have to do things like change brakes or fill fluids or you know change the oil, uh, then that would make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But you know this convoluted system where you have to have it. Come off your taxes the following year is just like i say it's it's a a giveaway to wealthy folk uh and we've taken advantage of that we'll be the first to say that our company buys these electric cars when we get that credit
2: uh but it should just be point of sale uh so we're talking about the i3 so uh new not a great value i will be the first to admit it but used we had one it was a 14 we bought it for fourteen thousand dollars five hundred $14,500 $14,500 had no miles on it because they never have many miles on them and it was seriously the best used car I've ever experienced it was reliable, it was fun to drive, it was pretty quick um, it was actually
1: good in the snow. It was rear wheel drive. I yeah, mean, yeah, rear wheel drive snow is always better. Yeah.
2: It was just a phenomenal little car. The range extender came in handy a few times. Not all that many, though, because once again, you just plug it in at home. It only goes like ours went 75 miles so was a really early one on a single charge, but it was great. Really loved that little car. Andre's wife actually bought it from the company. She's been driving it every single day. Um, for the last, I don't know, what is it, six months or a year now? Yeah. And loves a little thing. Love the i3. And um, I strongly recommend you go check one out if you want to dip your toes into the EV world, because the second you do, you probably won't want to sell one. Okay, so let's
1: talk about that car that's over your shoulder. I can't pronounce it, you going to have to say
2: it. Yeah, the Wuling Huang, Huang Mini EV. Now this
1: it's, is... It's, it's not our number two, but cars like it are number two. So tell, you know, that is the most popular electric car in China. Uh, They sell 30,000 of those every month. 30,000, Tommy.
2: Yeah, oh, what? No. Yeah, and it's basically, um, well, it's basically a shoebox. Now, it's not all that impressive on any kind of spec except for one, so it's quite slow. It doesn't go very far. Well, it's cheap. It's $4,000. That's the impressive spec, though. It's a brand new car you can buy for $4,000, and it's a real car with an actual interior and, um, you know, real relatively usable range, but that's why it's so popular is because it's so cheap.
1: And it's built by GM.
2: Well, sort of. It, yeah, it's, Wu Ling Huang Huang is like, it's got this joint partnership with this company called saic um but it's immensely popular in uh in china yeah
1: i think they're actually production constrained thirty thousand cars every month
2: but you can't buy one in the state stand
1: no you can't but you can buy basically the equivalent of that so let's face it tommy even the cheapest electric car which right now is it might be the either the leaf or the mini depending i forget the leaf may have just gone down yeah it's the leaf and by the way the leaf is um Bad. Not on our list. Yeah, sorry. I think Leaf, sorry, <laughs> Not Nissan, a great car. I think the Leaf did a did a pretty good job in setting back electric cars around the world. It was supposed to be like the model T of electric cars, right. and instead, got, no. Instead, they didn't climate control the batteries, and it became the poster child of, of what happens when the batteries go bad.
2: All right. Sorry, Huang Wang Mini EV. Um, estimated range 110 on the NEDC range cycle, which is just wrong. So it's not 110, but it's probably like 70. Um, 62 mile an hour top speed. There you go. Now, as you were mentioning, that you can't get anything this cheap brand new in the States, right? But you can get close.
1: You can Number two is basically any California compliance car. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, five years ago, six years ago, California specified that a certain percentage of, I think it was a certain percentage or certain, number of cars that each manufacturer sold in California had to be electric and so the manufacturers went and basically built electric car versions of their regular cars. I'm talking about the Soul EV, the Spark EV, the Fiat 500 EV, I can go down the list there's a bunch of them, but any of those cars now are dirt cheap and the reason that people didn't want them and the reason that people uh still are afraid of them is because they let's face it they all have less than 100 miles of range but this is the thing once you kind of have you have to have this electric car journey time should you take a journey with me You want okay, to take a journey yeah let's take your journey right, so let's go car shopping let's say you're you know joe or jane car buyer what's the first thing you're going to want out of an electric car uh, how far it'll go exactly you're gonna ah oh, i need it to go you know it's like it's like it's like you want something because that's what the current thing is But logically, the current thing isn't something that is used to its maximum, right? Very few people will actually drive a car, you know, 320 miles nonstop across country if that's the range of your car, right? More likely what you'll do is you'll drive it to work and then you'll drive it home. Or you drive it to the store and then you drive it home. Or you drive it to church, you drive it home, right? Or you drive it to grandma's and drive it home, right? And all those little trips are like, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 miles and Think about this. Let me help you make that journey, Tommy, okay? Here's the way you think about it, right? Your house is the gas station. How cool is that? Right. That's yes. it. That's all you have to think of. Your house is the gas station. You come home, you plug it in, you fill it up. Your right. house is the gas station. And once you get that kind of mentality into your head, you will not need 350 miles of range. You will be fine with 100 or less.
2: So the compliance cars are called compliance cars because, basically, California came to the big companies a little while ago and said, hey, you can keep selling your big V8s, but you got to sell some electric cars instead. And then the companies are like, oh my god, what do we do? So they took, typically, small hatchbacks, ripped out the gasoline engines, threw in some batteries and an electric motor, and sold them, mostly at a loss. I think most of the car companies. Most of them were leased, actually. Yeah, but like most of them. I must say them,
1: this, the Smart EV was like 99 bucks. A
2: month. Yeah. And they were, but if you wanted to buy when they were just too expensive and i've heard reports even that like these companies did not want to sell these cars because they were losing money in every oh, yeah. single one but california said sucks you got to sell them
1: i mean they were all like 30 to 40 they weren't cheap no. at least cheaper but they weren't cheap to buy
2: so let's let's go down another. so like kia Soul EV, yeah is one of them
1: i didn't like that one that was the only one i actually I didn't like the Soul EV. it was it was you know what they did with that one to get the most range of that one i think had like 85 it had the most out of all of them uh basically they took away the fun part which is the acceleration
2: So Kia Soul EV, um, Smart EV, especially the first one we got in the States is brilliant, fantastic. Um, Fiat 500E. That's, I think, my favorite of them all. Yep. It's the most torquey. It's the most fun to drive. Spark EV is my favorite.
1: We own that right now. That that one is like a Fiat 500EV, except it's got four doors, and you can put, like, four
2: people in it for reals. Focus Electric (laughs) is another one. But the deal with these cars is you can... uh, Pause... Nissan Leaf, believe it or not, is not one that was a ground nope. up, and that was just a no mess. And the i three is not one either; that was also ground up. But the compliance cars can typically be purchased between like six and eight k. Um, everyone is freaked out about what happens when the battery craps out. Yeah. Unless you're buying a Leaf, for the most part, these batteries are not probably going to crap out on you. Do a little bit of a research on it, but as long as the batteries are climate controlled, as most are, they last a long time. Um, Eight to ten years is a good bet. I think that the and but keep in mind that most of these cars are eight-year warranties. Yeah, exactly. So, even if your battery does crap out, there's a good I, I, chance. And there's another one I
1: wouldn't buy because the range is too. We just saw it, believe it or not. We were driving and we just saw it. It's it's the rarest of all Mitsubishis.
2: Oh, the IMEV?
1: Yeah, that's another one. Also, I w- not
2: a compliant. That was also ground up.
1: That's a K car.
2: Weirdly enough. Yeah. yeah that that one, one's fun, though, that, because. That one it's,
1: had Shadow and fast charging. Yeah, that one's just weird. But it, it had only like 50 miles of range. So that one a little that one's too limited. limited that yeah. was too limited, yeah.
2: But. Get one of these compliance cars for 7K. I think it's a much more reasonable ask to ask an American household to hold on to their Tahoe in the Suburban. Don't sell that primary vehicle and go buy a 94. Like, that's a big call. Uh, Not a lot of American families are going to do that. But maybe replace a second or a third car with one of these dinky EVs. Buy one for six k, drive it for a year, and then sell it for six you k. Know, it's a you know, great idea. You
1: know, people aren't going to listen to us. What's going to happen? I predict, Tommy. What's going oh, to happen? No this. one's going to listen. No one's going to us. No. I, we know. We understand that. So that's great because we'll keep buying them and loving them. But uh, what's going to happen is at some point that pendulum's going to swing, right? And it's going to go from, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, I don't want an electric car, to i got to have one right now. And those cars are going to become very valuable.
2: Especially the 500E is a fantastic little car. Especially in the orange. Yeah, very well engineered, actually. Um, uh, People love them. Like, from the owners I've talked to, dead reliable. And and can can I make a direct appeal to you, Stellantis?
1: I understand that Fiat did not succeed, or did not succeed to the point that you wanted it to here in America. But bring the freaking 500E here, the new one. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. And Honda, same to you. Why are you just selling that little electric Honda in Europe? It is so cool. Of course, me and Tommy are small car fans. But nevertheless, if you're serious about, you know, selling electric cars, don't leave the cool stuff in Europe. Bring it
2: here. People will buy it. They are too expensive, though. That's the issue. See, these used 500Es are great because they're 5K, but new when they're 35K or, or. Then you lease them. Probably get the. Yeah, then you lease them. That's true. Exactly. So, one more thing. Very few of these cars actually have fast charging, so don't road trip them. Ideally, you'll have a gasoline car to road trip, but for just putting around your little city or town, uh, you can't beat them for zip zip for less money. I think they're super <laughs> fun to drive. They've got a lot of character just because they're kind of bad, <laughs> but I love them. I think they're really, really uh, good.
1: Like, like our Spark has a lot of torque steer because it puts a lot yeah. of torque through the front wheel. Yeah,
2: it's not. Not brilliantly engineered, but but that's what gives them such big personalities. You know what?
1: Uh, I hate climate change because the word is wrong. It's global warming. Just, you know, don't make it politically palatable by calling, oh, some places are going to get colder. No, we're all burning alive. And right now Colorado is experiencing, unfortunately, the side effects of that, which is this incredible hazy smoke cloud. Last week our city was the most polluted city in the world, Tommy, Denver, right? And I got to tell you, driving around in that little spark, I felt much better about the fact that I wasn't helping to make it even more polluted. Uh,
2: ah, and one more thing to mention too. For all those folks saying, well, I'm not going to drive an EV because of lithium mines. Well then don't buy a new one. Go buy a used one. You're actually, you're doing way more for the environment for buying a used one. Reduce, reuse, recycle, right? Yeah, that I, know. I I'm, I'm so one. tired of and all these. even if you look at the science behind lithium mines, yeah. um, as long as you're driving your car for more than like a year or two, you quickly offset the environmental impacts yeah, of the, and the and lithium I'm, mines. you know, you're
1: just moving it downstream. You're getting the you're getting coal power, and you're using it to even power if turn. your
2: car is 100% powered by coal. By the way, it still is better off for the environment. Right? There's so much research behind this. Yeah, I know because than when a you gas pour car.
1: gas, which is a very usable and useful thing, like making plastics, which of course, are their own. Issues, but nevertheless they're useful you know you most of that energy the inherent energy in the gasoline doesn't go to power your car it goes up to basically heat the engine and the car and the rest of the world so it's not a very efficient way of converting dead dinosaurs into forward motion right yep so yeah even even if you're not using solar or wind or geothermal if you're in iceland right to generate electricity, which a lot of people are,
2: actually. Well, okay, now everyone's going to be mad at us, so let's yeah, move okay. to number one. All right, what's number everyone's one? Everyone's just going to be furious in the comments. Uh, number one is the car we just bought, which, once again, doesn't sound great on paper, but is great in the real world. It is, I think, the most fun EV out there ever made, actually, in my opinion, and that is the brand-new Mini Cooper SE, the electric one.
1: Yeah, we had an email from a, a viewer or a listener who went and actually test drove one because we we bought it and he, you know what he didn't like what he did not like he, he did not like the fact that there was a sun visor on the left side well that is car. a
2: silly thing not to like because that sun visor is phenomenal it's got two sun visors for the drivers yeah he said it blocked, it, blocked his front, view. one on the side
1: i like the seats he said they were too like, constraining i can see that but they're cool
2: okay well you're not doing a good job of selling why it's i'm just, just i just
1: i'm just saying i feel like it wasn't the car that he didn't like i feel like he went into that test drive not wanting the car, and then came out with a bunch of silly reasons not to buy it. But, you know, look, we had a Model Y for a year. I never drove it for fun, never took it for, like, a joy ride. We drove that Mini SE from Albuquerque 500 miles, and that same night I took it for a joy ride. It's like I think BMW or Mini stumbled into accidentally a really, really fun little car, right? Sometimes manufacturers set out to actually build cool, fun little cars, and sometimes they stumble into it. And the reason I say stumble into it is because it uses basically the... General components from the from the BMW i3, right? The battery, the motor, the, the kind of the powertrain. Uh, uh, and it's not specifically designed to be an electric car, right? They stuffed batteries into a mini chassis. But somehow, when you make the car small, agile, and quick, and put a big, fat steering wheel on it, and then lift it a little bit to give it a little bit better suspension, uh, magic happens, and that car is just a joy to drive.
2: Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. I love it. It's also pretty affordable. So uh, starts at twenty If you can find one of those, get get one of the cheap ones, or you can get a loaded one like we do with the nice sunroofs and the, the, the cool wheels and you know all the funky bits. But from a fun to drive standpoint, um, obviously doesn't have the two second acceleration of a Model S Plaid. But in the corners, it's more fun than a Model S Plaid. It's always more fun to drive a little car fast and a big car slow. Um, and I just love it. It's got so much personality. It feels a lot like the Tycon in terms of build quality. Everything you touch is BMW or better. And what I mean is all of the materials are beautiful Everything is so well bolted together. Just a phenomenal thing um, to be in and to drive around in. Can I, can I take you on another journey? Oh, another journey? Yeah, two, two journeys. journeys in first. one day?
1: Yeah, as, as, a, as, a, as an automotive journalist, like you say, I've driven pretty much every new car over the last 10 years. I'm not saying it to be bullshit I'm just saying that because that's my job. So I think I have a lot of experience with a lot, and so do you, Tom, with a lot of different cars. And once upon a time when, like, Tesla built its giant screen and everything was virtual, like, you know, like this phone – i thought it was way cool right oh wow no more buttons except for the two round ones on the steering wheel everything is integrated into the screen uh and it's all logically laid out like in an iphone uh but you know what tommy now that i'm back in the mini i really love because i missed it having smart physical buttons that actually do (laughs) stuff right that actually things happen when you flick a switch or things happen when you push a button versus just all this, like, you know, you know virtually swiping or virtually, you know, e- enabling. It, it's really cool, like that little start toggle switch where you actually push the t- toggle switch down and you get that doom-doom, right, that BMW sound. Uh, it, it just It's just fun. Switches are fun. And, it, <laughs> you know, they can also be a pain in the ass, right, if they're not logically laid out. Uh, but my favorite generation, for instance, of Porsche is that previous generation where it had all those switches. It was like sitting in a 747, right? It had this whole cluster of switches going on either side of the gear shift lever. Uh, And I love that much more than I love all the virtual stuff. There's just something very gratifying and satisfying and tactile about actually having a switch that does something. And if it's logically laid out, it's much easier to understand. And the two, of course, that are absolutely, you know, like, like hardcore, you have to have them, are the volume switch and the tuning knob. I spend so much time in a brand new car, and be it, it doesn't have to be a Tesla, it can be a Kia, it could be a Ford, just trying to figure out, you know, where to change the radio station. Once upon a time, you'd push a button, and it was like, yeah, there's my there's was, the radio. It's a, now it's like, what's the source? Is it your phone? Is it, you know, is it uh, Sirius XM? Is it, uh, you know, FM? Is it AM? is it is it the satellite you know i'm like no just just let me just push a button and play music
2: yeah i think it's a if you don't need the range of like a model 3 it's more affordable it's better made it doesn't charge as fast obviously which has to do with the range thing but if you're just driving your car to work or on small trips on the weekends just get the mini i think it's more fun it's got more character it's uh, got cooler colors it's very configurable and um, it's, it's the best, I think, mini they've done in the last 20 years in a lot of ways. So I very much recommend the Cooper SE for the ultimate city runabout. Yeah, uh, you know, before we end this
1: up, I wanted to kind of throw out some other things out there. First and foremost, guys, uh, I have to thank all of our Patreon members. Uh-huh. Uh, if, if you notice that there is no commercials in this podcast, I'm really you know been listening to a lot of podcasts. I'm really getting sick of commercials, so it's because our patrons out there are helping to support this. So if you want to become a patron, uh, go and check out tflpatreon.com/tflcar uh, and support us in any way you can. We're really grateful for those of you who do. And secondly, you know we have like I said, seven YouTube channels, four podcasts. No, two podcasts, four websites. And we've put all that in one place, uh, tfl-studios.com. So if you're on your phone, just check out tfl-studios.com. Uh, and you can uh, basically download that as a web app to your phone, uh, create a little shortcut, and then that stacks up all of the content that we produce. So there's all of our videos, all of our podcasts, all in one place. So if you want to one source shopping center for tfl stuff it's right there we get a lot of emails from people asking us well what about this and we've already done the story or what about that we've already done the podcast it's just because it's all over the place and that's our fault but we've all put it in one place now
2: yeah so tfl-studios.com if you want to stay up to date on everything car truck off-road classics and bike related so
1: tommy why didn't we talk about the rivian the cybertruck or the lightning
2: well I'm not sure why didn't we talk about those, but we did talk about the Hyundai and the Kia. Because this is TfL mm. Talk.
1: That's a truck that's a truck podcast. Oh, that's right. Andrei, <laughs> I forgot that's Andre's that. territory.
2: He does a truck podcast. All right. Well we'll have to stay tuned and get Andre's impression on what he thinks of the upcoming EV trucks if they ever get here.
1: We yeah, we haven't forgotten about the trucks. Very uh, and interesting. and there's other cars, you know, that I was like uh, one of the one of my first electric cars that I actually went and drove off-road. Uh, period, is the Jaguar I-PACE. Mm. Uh, and yet that one is not exactly setting the world on fire. And I was having a long conversation because I like that car a lot. It's got this kind of uh, uh, unique design language, right? It's kind of...
2: Yeah, it's really cool looking. Can yeah, you still buy one? Cab, yeah, yeah. Can still buy cab
1: one? forward design language. Uh, it also goes off-road, believe it or not, to some extent.
2: Well, as much as a computer mouse can go off-road.
1: Well, we took it off-road. I took it off-road <laughs> and it actually pretty well. Okay.
2: Uh, But yeah, Jaguar came out with that. I think the
1: problem with it was, once again, it's a range, right? It was, I think they're up to $240 now. It was
2: just very expensive, I think, for what you
1: got out of it. Uh, So that's one that I think deserves an honorable mention. If you want an electric car, that's certainly overlooked. And I think used are maybe becoming... Pretty good value. The other one, of course, uh, that's just out is the Audi e-tron GT uh, And I, I actually just test drove those. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, if you're an Audi fan, basically it's an Audi version of a, a Porsche Taycan. Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe I'm a snob, but I, I suppose I'm going to spend $160,000. I want the Porsche badge on it. Um, not if you're, super cheap. If you love cheap. the Audi badge, you can go for it.
2: I-Paces are not as cheap as you expect. And then, of course,
1: Audi is actually doing very well in electrification, right? They've got the uh, e-tron uh, SU, well, crossover and, and the uh, sportback, mm-hmm. uh, which are fine cars, but they're kind, of, they're, they're kind of like, you know. Also expensive. They're also expensive, and they're also kind of crossover-y. Uh, and then we can't forget about GM with their Bolt and their EUV now, Uh GM has just had an $800 million hit to their bottom line because um, they put out a warning that you can't or you shouldn't charge your bolt if you've got the first generation indoors because it may start on fire and burn down your house.
2: But our spark is good to go, believe it or not. (laughs) Our spark is good to go. We are good to keep charging (laughs) that little guy. So,
1: so, you know, with with that kind of warning, you can't really (laughs) put that on your list. Yeah, <laughs> even though the new one doesn't have the issue. Nevertheless, well, I, I haven't just,
2: driven the new one yet I want to yeah, drive yeah, G- one.
1: So here's the thing Tommy we've we've begged and begged the Meg GM to let us drive one and because we apparently are a popular media outlet They say that the vehicle has to go to the Arizona Proving Grounds before they'll give it to us hmm. Except that's like saying, you know um, That's like saying, you know, Muffy the cat went to the cat farm Right. It never comes back <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or Roger the dog ran away, and he never comes back. Mm. So GM sends these cars apparently to the proving grounds, but they never come back.
2: So hopefully, we'll be able to drive one of those eventually. Yeah, uh, you know, that's my goal.
1: We'd love to get our hands on one. Yep. Uh, because uh, you know, it is GM, and of course, um, the other ones we haven't been able to really um, get much. Like time with even though gm does seem to believe that other more popular youtube channels deserve more time with them, which is fine I'm not jealous Tommy I can tell, but the you Hummer. Can tell? I'm not no, jealous. we
2: have Andre.
1: This was right, but they, they, they like they delivered it to Marcus Brownlee's studio. Both well, of them. Well, yeah, he he's crawled, got. He's I'm ge- not jealous. I'm just.
2: saying. I'm not he's jealous. He's got a monster YouTube channel. It's huge. We got a while yeah, to go till we're Marcus. Yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, you know, people just use TFL to, to buy. Okay, this they, is to not make buying decisions on their trucks. This is not
2: going anywhere. Productive. Um, but I'm not jealous. Tommy, no, very, I mean, very I jealous over about, here. I don't
1: feel bad about it at all, GM. Very jealous. You're making me feel, you know.
2: Hopefully, once we get to get hands on with the Hummer, we'll do a. Full road test, full off road test, full towing, but I think it's time to end so my dad can go take a uh, <laughs> what? a growth pill, a chill, a chill, a chill go, pill, go,
1: go, go, go in the uh, Spark EV, yes, which is another fine GM product. With hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Does <laughs> yeah. Marcus have a
2: Spark EV? Probably could buy one immediately if he wanted one. Does he have one? I don't know if he could. Well, Everyone it, but, should have but one. But is, is it been featured on his? podcast or YouTube channel? I don't know.
1: Uh huh. Where's the love, GM? Where's the love?
2: Okay, Dad, it sounds like they're selling a lot. <laughs> of Spark EVs. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> I think they sold 7,000.
2: Yeah, and it's not a lot. It's not a lot. But thank you guys for tuning in to the... Uh, no, has not reviewed one. <laughs> <to the laughs> you better well, fact check me. That's TFL hilarious. Talk <laughs> Podcast. We will see you next time. I would have bet my hat that he hasn't
1: reviewed yes. one. Wait, we'll see you next time. How, how many like how many YouTube channels have done a Spark Eevee?
2: We're one of the only ones <laughs> to really that. feature it prominently, but there's a reason for it that it <laughs> does look like a melon. So um, we'll see you guys next time, and thank you for watching.
1: See you guys next time. Ch- a juicy, tasty melon time. Yum, yum.